Many of us are tired, suffering from the fog of pandemic brain and the fallout of the Great Resignation. Those of us who are survivors are wondering how to lead, how to scale, how to empower, how to build back better. While the resignations, the presenteeism, and disengagement continues, there are these unusual positive deviants who are doing something particularly rare at this moment in history, exceptionally appreciated, which causes an upward spiral bringing hope, energy, creativity, and joy back to our work. Welcome to The Behaviorist with Work Wisdom, where we help you adopt high-performance mindsets, behaviors, communication, and culture. I'm your host, Kedron Crosby. Our intention for The Behaviorist podcast is to share accessible, concrete practices that you can weave into your whole life to begin a shift towards joy and meaningful achievement. Today, we're focusing on an organizational topic that is both as necessary as air and as mysterious as how bees fly. We're exploring how leaders share power and particularly the relationship between empowerment and the secret elusive element of enthusiasm. Ralph Waldo Emerson, one of our favorite work wisdom transcendentalists, wrote that nothing great was ever achieved without enthusiasm. It's our lifeblood, yet it is in such short supply. How do we grow it? How do we recognize it? And most of all, how do we not extinguish it in our workplaces? Today, we're so fortunate to have two insightful leaders with us to share their experiences and wisdom. Rebecca Walk, partner at Simon Lever, business advisors and CPA, and Vanessa Filbert from our team at Work Wisdom, but also the CEO at Community Action Partnership. Thank you both for joining us on The Behaviorist today as we explore the intersection between empowered cultures and enthusiasm. Thanks for being here. Thank you guys for having us. Yes, absolutely. So Vanessa, I know this is a topic that's near and dear to your heart, this idea of sharing power to scale, to grow impact. What do you find most exciting about sharing your power and your influence to make an impact with your incredible team at CAP? That's a great question. Um, I think for me, what's exciting about the power share is the opportunity to see people kind of level up into who you know they can be and mm. who they aspire to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I've seen with our team is that there are those moments of sharing power and when you can see people light up into their purposeful selves. Um, I think it also helps keep me grounded in humility, not to think that um, I'm the most influential, most important thought in the room. So when you share that power, um, it's a reminder that it really does take kind of a team to, to make that happen, especially here at CAP. Yeah, that's so good. Thank you. Becky, um, when you think about empowerment, why do you feel that it's important as part of the leadership at your organization to be intentional about sharing power? Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes we have to define why something's important to get buy-in from others. Mm-hmm. Um, at our organization, like a lot of other organizations, 
empowering others is actually one of the key factors in developing our people mm -hmm. and also uh, propelling us forward as an organization. Um, exposing others to new experiences or challenges and giving them the author authority to drive it forward um, and make decisions is really the best way to find and create that next group of leaders. So good. Yeah, and they're our future, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, we can't operate without them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So in our work uh, over the past couple of decades, we've tried to distill the most essential ingredients of building a truly empowered culture. Um, and, and sharing power is really counterintuitive. When we think about being human, mm -hmm. uh, we want to amass power. We definitely don't want to share it. So it's, it's hard for us to think about, you know, how do we actually um, share it so that we can get to this place of scale and multiplying our impact? So those of us who, those of you who've worked with us before, have heard the five essential ingredients of empowered culture. Uh, we try to weave these elements into norms in an organization. So I wanted to just walk our listeners through these quickly in case they haven't been working with work wisdom. Um, so really these five essential elements, it's really this idea of when we think about empowerment culture, we're seeing it as a bi-directional way um, where power is shared. So it's not just I'm giving my power, but the other party is leaning in and taking the reins. Um, and so it's more like a dance. Um, and so this bi-directional way of sharing power with someone else who's better positioned to hold that power. So the first element that we've noticed in empowered cultures is everyone's really clear about their highest and best use. Everyone's talking about what is my best value to this system. And so we call that operating efficiencies. If everyone is leaning into their highest and best use and they know their value, um, people can figure out how to share work optimally. The second part is clarity of roles and responsibilities. Everyone understanding not just what is my position, what is it that my job, uh, my job description says that I do, but what is my responsibility? What is mine to do in this organization? Even at the team level, the clarity of roles and responsibility at the team level through team charters, maybe. The third element has to do with making sure that we are giving true authority to make decisions at the optimal level. And very often, this is making sure that the decision-making locus is as close to the customer, the client, as possible, and that as leaders that we are not pulling the rug out when we give the authority, that we're, we're making sure that we're only giving authority um, at the level that we are yet comfortable in sharing that. The fourth element, we talk about knowledge sharing. And originally when we found the research on this, it was mostly about sharing the budgets and sharing the database. But in my experience, it's more about sharing the uh, unwritten norms, unwritten rules, the story about that relationship with that stakeholder from 10 years ago <laughs> that's going to show up. And then the fifth element we always talk about is trust. 
And so trust, of course, um, is a confident relationship with the unknown. And that's how Rachel Bots- Botsworth uh, defines it. She's a trust fellow at Oxford University. And so when we talk about trust, we're, we're talking about the trust triangle, the work of Francis Free at Harvard Business School, thinking about, is this person authentic? They're not shining it on. They are, in fact, who they say they are. Um, Do they have good judgment, good logic? Are they reliable? And then also empathy, the third element in the trust triangle. So no culture can become uh, normed into empowerment without those five elements. And so for many, many, many years, that's what we've been helping organizations think about. Um, So... I'm, I'm just feeling that in the past couple of months, and maybe even year and a half, we've started noticing that maybe those five aren't enough. Um, we're about to get into that. But before we do that, I, I wanted to just weigh in with both of you, Vanessa and Becky. Um, Vanessa, when you think about the five, the operating efficiencies and clarity of roles and responsibilities and authority and knowledge sharing and trust, um, which would you say is most critical to scaling the success of your organization at CAP? It's interesting because I don't see them quite separate. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they connect mm-hmm. in a way that's important. I think there are seasons in which um, certain one of these five are in higher use. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, we've been really leaning into kind of this foundational understanding of freedom and responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, what does that look like to have this power and autonomy, but also um, lean into that opportunity with ownership at the heart of how you make your decisions and not someone who's just employed by the organization, but someone who feels that same level of responsibility to the organization. So, that's kind of been our baseline. Mm-hmm. Um, when I think about these five, right now, I've been really focused on operating efficiencies mm-hmm. and getting really clear with our team about what is your highest and best use here at CAP. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been interesting because I think it's been helping me get really clear about what my highest and best use is mm-hmm. um, as the CEO of the organization. And I think that these principles are ones that can live outside of the workplace, right? So even when I think about my family, like when I'm clear about my highest and best use, right, I'm less, I'm a two on the Enneagram, right? So I'm less resentful. I'm saying, you know, no to the things that I really don't want to do and yes to the things that are really best for me to do. Um, So operating efficiencies would be one. And I think the other one that I can't kind of get away from is just trust. Mm. Um, I think it's essential to create a safe psychological space for our team, um, a place where we can be our best selves, we can be vulnerable, we can say when we don't get it right, um, we can challenge an idea or a thought. Uh, we can push the boundaries sometimes and say, hey, I know we agreed to this, but can we consider that? But we can't do that without trust. So when I think about um, being in this place of creating enthusiasm, as we talk about this a little bit further down, it's just this idea of like, I need people really clear about why they're here, where their parameters are around that freedom and responsibility continuum, and that they know that they're trusted to show up and be their best selves. Mm-hmm. Okay, I love how you're weaving them all together into a great solid tapestry. Uh, Becky, when you think about Simon Lever and, and maybe even thinking about your organization pre-COVID, mm-hmm. is there one of these that seemed more helpful than the others in terms of scaling impact? Yeah, absolutely. I think 
as an Enneagram one, um, I, I have very little tolerance for lack of clarity. And I think accountants in general would probably be somewhere in that same scale of, we like to know what the rules are before we come to play. So um, as an organization, we have really been focused in on role clarity. Um, so this would be for an individual position, an individual, or I should say a team of people working together, um, the way we serve our clients. We're just really clarifying that. Um, but I think we really look to take it a step further um, that feeds a little bit into that enthusiasm that we're going to talk about, mm-hmm. which is not just understanding what is your job, what do you own, what do you need to do, but what is the impact that you're creating? What are, how are you impacting our clients? What is the impacting that, impact that you're creating on others within the firm and even impact with our, our people um, outside in our communities? How are you impacting them? Because I think that's an, a really important piece of understanding your job mm. is, is what the end result is. Mm-hmm. Boy, I really like that. Mm-hmm. I would love to have a whole podcast on that idea. You know, when we talk about equity, we talk quite a bit about um, understanding your, your intention versus your impact and trying to put your attention on the impact. Mm-hmm. It maybe wasn't your intention to say that thing mm-hmm. the way it landed, but it did. And mm-hmm. so how do you own that? So I really like that, Becky. Um, well, wonderful. So, you know, we have the luxury at Work Wisdom of working with many, many companies, uh, many nonprofit organizations, government organizations. Mm-hmm. So we're working with all three sectors. And what one of the things we try and do on the behaviorist is notice patterns that are emerging at some chapter in history. And so we have been doing some noticing that over the last year, um, Maybe it's because resources are short, you know, and maybe that's people, maybe it's time, maybe it's passion, maybe it's money, and uncertainty is high, uh, and that we've seen this theme that's been emerging. So individuals and teams and companies who've been working to figure out how, how do we mine How do we harness? How do we manifest? And how do we exhibit this idea of enthusiasm? So enthusiasm um, is really one of the ingredients that we're realizing is truly essential to fostering empowered cultures. So without enthusiasm, whether we call it leaning in or raising your hand or being open or curiosity or engagement or zeal, um, without any of that, it seems to me empowerment has been falling flat. And so we're to the place where we are deciding it's time to add a sixth element to our five elements, uh, essential elements of empowered culture. Um, You know, so even when these five essential characteristics that we discussed above are well delivered by leadership, if there's no hunger to lean in, to move toward the power, there will just be no success in multiplying impact and influence. So I wanted to check in with both of you. Does this sound true? Has this been your lived experience over the last year? Um, Is enthusiasm maybe because it's increasingly rare? Is it feeling more and more essential? So Becky, what do you think about this idea of enthusiasm and engagement being increasingly important during this unusual time in history? 
Yeah. Um, while I would not have been able to sort of articulate it previously, I, I would agree that engagement or enthusiasm might be a baseline requirement for being able to have empowered people within an organization. I think one of the things we always ask ourselves is we're presenting the same opportunities to very similar people. They're talented, they're smart, um, they're well-intentioned, and they have the tools and resources, but sometimes the outcomes are really, really different. Mm-hmm. And we've sort of had to say, why is that different? And I think what we've come to maybe realize a little bit is, and I, I should say, especially with the remote and separate work mm-hmm. has maybe... Um, made this fall into that highlight a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But the people who really understood their role and they understood what their impact of their role was, that is, they're really engaged in what they're doing. They understand it really well. They would pick up and run with opportunities. And Mm -hmm. that created some really exciting end results and some great service to our clients. Um, Conversely, when you could tell that someone wasn't connected, they didn't really feel the connection to their work, um, it was they were less likely to take advantage of those opportunities and less likely to take that real solid ownership that you would be looking for when you're trying to empower someone. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm glad you're seeing it over at Simon Lever too. Vanessa, how about uh, what you're seeing over at CAP? How does this, is, it, is this true in your experience that enthusiasm is actually really important in empowerment? Yeah, I think it is. And I think I'm coming up with maybe a different word, but Mm -hmm. kind of same thing. I think it's joy. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've been having some conversations about that. Uh, It's been interesting for us because I've been looking at some data from our health insurance provider and looking at the number of our employees who have um, identified with either struggling with depression or anxiety during, Mm -hmm. you know, the COVID pandemic um, and really thinking about what is it that they need um, to reset and, and to feel safe, right? Because there's a part of what we've all experienced over 15 months um, that is beyond my control, mm-hmm. right? Um, but there's a space of empathy that I think I can activate to just let people know that I get it, right? Mm-hmm. It's been a hard 15 months. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that's been interesting for us is to think about what are those places of joy? How do we connect them to their roles and their jobs? Um, you know, it was we did an all-staff Zoom. So we have 350 employees at CAP. And, you know, they were so excited to see each other because mm-hmm. they hadn't seen each other because we've been doing all these different kinds of schedules. And in doing that, um, it reminded me that connectedness mm-hmm. is essential mm-hmm. to finding that enthusiasm, mm-hmm. right? It's how they look for those moments of joy and connection. And I think the last part is really figuring out for us where I've seen it. It's reminding them of of what they're called to do. Um, You know, I consider our work to be legacy work. You know, we get to point back to the generations that come behind us and say, hey, we had our hands on that and we try to make the world a better place. Um, So I'm trying to find those moments of inspiration Mm -hmm. to remind them that like, yeah, we can get excited about this work again. I know it's been really hard. Um, And I also have to acknowledge that there is loss um, beyond what they lost in the workplace, maybe, you know, team connection Mm -hmm. Or being in the in the office or working differently, but you know, 
there have been folks who have lost um, people and loved ones and opportunities. Mm -hmm. And I try to just create space to recognize that and to still say that like there is a season for everything in life and that we get to kind of recalibrate in the new season that we're in. And hopefully that feels genuine to our team, but really helps us lean into this idea that enthusiasm and joy helps fill our buckets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so interesting when we start thinking about you know, empowerment is really how we scale our impact. And um, if, in fact, enthusiasm is is necessary, is a baseline, is a requirement, um, how, what is our role as leaders? Mm-hmm. How do we um, prioritize uh, contributing joy, building enthusiasm, finding spark? Um, so, you know, Becky, when, when we think about this, what advice might you give to our listeners? You know, maybe they're the ones who are seeking to empower others. What What are your mm-hmm. thoughts right now? Yeah, thank you. Um, I love the word joy mm-hmm. because I think it's just another um, way you can view being engaged in your work, that enthusiasm and showing up and understanding what your impact is, no matter what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um And the thing about joy and enthusiasm is it's super personal. Mm -hmm. Um, What brings one person joy could be the absolute worst thing (laughs) that someone else is going to do. Mm -hmm. And I think as leaders, it's really important to get into that personal motivations and personal drivers. So I would say it's really important to know your people. Mm -hmm. Ask them the questions. Ask them what brings them joy in the work that they're doing? What brings them engagement? Or, you know, what what sort of impact would they like to see? If they do some of the future vision casting that you would say, mm-hmm. what do you want to see? Where do you want to go? And understand that because once you understand who they are, what motivates them, you can start looking and say, is it this client? Is it this project? Is it this team? And once you find that thing that really checks all the, their boxes for mm-hmm. that person, I think you're going to find a much greater degree of enthusiasm. And then you're going to be able to really pour into that person and create that empowered person that's going to go out and change the world, um, or at least the their, the person's day that they're working with. Um, and one of the best things about that is once you've created that Um, for someone, they um, tend to be really contagious to the people around them and just really spread, you know, their positive attitude and the joy that they've been able to find and share with others. Mm, So well said, Becky. Yeah, that is fantastic. And it's different than how our our mothers and fathers led, isn't Mm -hmm, it? mm -hmm. You know, this whole person leadership. We're asking people, Tell me about you. Tell me about what gives you joy. What is life giving for you? And how can we craft this work so that it folds up into that? Mm -hmm. Um, Vanessa, when you're thinking about this idea of enthusiasm, and I think we're even recasting it as joy, um, what ideas do you have? What advice might you have to give people who are seeking to grow, people who are leaning in? Um, so maybe how they signal their enthusiasm to position themselves to become increasingly empowered, maybe during this unusual time. What advice would you have? Well, I think I love that reflection, Becky, because I think this idea of giving permission for people to measure what lights them up mm-hmm. is really different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I would say it's an exercise that I had done recently with someone say, I want you to think about your day and think about um, 
every meeting or every interaction or the project that you're working on and what like lights you up and which ones kind of dim you down Mm -hmm. and really helping them to give themselves permission to say, oh, doesn't mean that you get to craft the job perfectly the way you want. We all have those ups and downs, but it provided me more clarity about what, what was life giving for that person and how that in kind of identifying that their operating efficiencies kind of come to light. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really appreciated that reflection, Becky. That was helpful for me. Um, I think the advice I would have um, is to do that measurement, figure mm-hmm. out what lights you up. It's mm-hmm. okay to take some inventory. Um, there's a quote here, and Kedron had shared this with me as I was transitioning into the CEO role at CAP, and it was this idea of kind of trying to find a way to articulate my leadership practice maybe in the moment. And the quote says, if you want to build a ship, don't drum up the men to gather the wood, divide the work or give orders. Instead, teach them to yearn for the vast and endless sea. Mm -hmm. And that for me had kind of like settled into my heart. So when I thought about my team and those folks who do lean in, who are enthusiastic, um, what I'm recognizing is that I didn't give those person, uh, any of those people like specific to-do lists. I got them inspired to mm-hmm. want to be on the sea. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what for me has been super powerful is to say that is my job is to create inspiration, hope, um, and a place and a pathway for people to grow and make mistakes and still be safe. You know, we talk about it as a, list, a risk laboratory um, at CAP, but I really feel like if there's one piece of advice, I say, measure what gives you joy and then do it, but do it with this kind of open heart like you're on you're in the big open sea. Mm, so good. So good. I love it. Well, you know, it really reframes our role as leaders, doesn't it? it when we think about how important meaningful work is and tying um, one's work to what is life-giving. It really changes what our work is. So thank you so much, Becky and Vanessa, for being part of this movement of helping world changers enhance their individual and their collective team performance. And thank you, listeners, for downloading The Behaviorist. We hope you'll subscribe. You can reach out to us through our website, workwisdomllc.com, where you can enjoy Work Wisdom Press, Work Wisdom Productions. You can ask us questions and contact us to make suggestions of topics you'd like us to explore in future episodes. So as is our custom, we will leave you with some one-minute wisdom from Anthony DeMello. To the woman who complained that riches hadn't made her happy, the master said, You speak as if luxury and comfort were ingredients of happiness, whereas all you really need to be happy, my dear, is something to be enthusiastic about. Mm